Good morning, Christ Church. We're going to do something a little bit different today. Um, we're going to, I'm going to call up some people who are going to come and share in a little bit. But first of all, we have all the people who usually go out to Kids Quest in service with us. And I want to ask you, if you go to Kids Quest normally, if you are in kindergarten through fifth grade, would you come on up? I'd like to ask all the kids in kindergarten through fifth grade, come on up to the front. We're going to talk just a few minutes at the beginning uh, before I call a few other guests up. You can just have a seat, plop down anywhere you want to comfortably. You can have, have a seat right here. Why don't you sit right there in front of me and where you can see me. You don't need to be able to see everybody out there. I'm better looking. There you go. Anybody else? Come on up if you have any kit. K through 5. All right. So, good morning. Do you know what holiday is tomorrow? It's Labor Day, which means what? Breakfast tacos. Breakfast tacos. Groundbreaking. Woohoo! So for the rest of your lives now, when you think of Labor Day, you're going to think of breakfast tacos, aren't you? Breakfast tacos. We're going to have a big groundbreaking. Our church is beginning to remodel. All right, but that's really not what everybody else in the country is celebrating on Labor Day and what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about work. Labor Day is a day where we celebrate work. Did you know work is actually a good thing? Work, it, like bef before sin came into the world, Adam and Eve had work to do, and it was actually pretty good. Your parents and the people in this room, they do all kinds of work, all kinds. And I'm going to teach you a new word today. Um, this is a big word, and you're going to get to go like to school this week and sound really smart. Are you ready? Here's the word. Vocation. Vocation, say it after me. One, two, three. Vocation. All right, vocation is what God made us to do and be. He made you to do and be something in this world. And it's different. What he made you to be and do is different than what he made you to do. And all of us in this room, it's a little bit different for every one of us. Some things are the same, but that, what he made you to do and be in this world, that's your what? What's that word? Vocation. There you go. All right, so we're also going, I'm going to give you a little... A little school lesson day. Anybody here ever take any Latin? Ever learn any Latin? A few people who've learned Latin. Th three. <laughs> that's a Does pig Latin count? <laughs> yes, pig Latin always counts. So I'm going to teach you a Latin word, and it's related to that other big word, vocation. All right, and I want you to repeat it after me as well. It's called vocare. Say this. One, on the, say vocare on the count of three. One. Two, three. Vocare. Okay, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what it means. We have a bunch of words, actually, in English that come from that. They, our language comes from some other languages, and that word, vocare, from Latin, we have a bunch of words. So here's a little test. Are you ready? Here's, I'm going to give you two words that come from vocare, just as an example. Somebody who knows a bunch of big words has a good what? A good what? No, it comes from vocari, and it sounds kind of like it. So somebody knows a bunch. Sometimes you have a test, and you have to write down what a word means. Vocabulary test. Vocabulary comes from the same word, vocari. All right, here's another one. If I do, if I do this, 
Ah, 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 what am I, I'm hammering, what am I hammering? I'm hammering what? My, no, not my lungs, what? My throat, there's even a more like technical word for the part of my throat that makes it sound. Did you say something? Adam's apple, yes, that too? Esophagus, wow, <laughs> woo! That's my next sermon. All right, it's actually called my vocal cords. You ever heard of vocal cords? Vocal cords, so vocabulary, vocal cords. They all have voc, don't they? Like vocation, and like this Latin word, vocare. So all of these words, what's the same about vocabulary and vocal cords? What, what, what's similar about them? In vocabulary, we learn words, right? What do we do with our vocal cords? We talk with our vocal cords. We say words. It's the place where we make words, right here, vocal cords. So there's something, that ha something about words, right, when we say vocare. All these words that come from vocare, they all have something to do with words, with talking. So what does vocare, which has something to do with words and talking, I thought we were talking about work. Weren't we talking about work? Why are we talking about words now and talking? Here's why. This is the really this is the most important part of it all. Vocare, talking about words and calling in Latin, you know what it means? To call. Vocare means to call. So we use our vocal cords to call. We use words to call out to someone. So when we speak, those are all our vocabulary, or our, we, we use vocabulary, we use our vocal cords. If we have a vocation, it means to be called to something. It means that somebody has used words, or somebody has spoken, or somebody has called out to us for what we're supposed to do and be in the world. All right, so we've got several ideas out there. We're going to bring it all together right now. Vocation is what you're supposed to do and be in the world, right? Everyone has one, no matter what, every person in this room, even if you don't get paid for it, you have a vocation, something God's called you, even at your age. Something he's called you to do and be in this world. So if I yell out and I say, hey, Bryson, Bryson, can I get some pizza and a bunch of ice cream? I'm really hungry. I've just like called out to him. He, Bryson has, has been called out to for something, for some reason. In this case, a pretty selfish one. But if somebody's called, you have to have a what? A caller. Somebody has to be the one calling out. So every one of you is called. You're all called to something. You have a vocation. You're called to be and do something in this world. And somebody, if you're called... You have a calling. Who's the caller? Who calls to you and says, this is what you're supposed to be and do, Claire? Who is it? God. God is the caller. He calls out to you. And he says, I have something special just for you that I want you to be and do in this world. That's your calling. He's the caller. You're the called. And that's why we call it a vocation because vocation, vocation, Vocare and everything to do with voc has to do with calling out, 
using words. So when we read our scripture today from our reading from Exodus, did y'all hear that part? Moses, Moses was called, and where did God call out to Moses from? A bush, a burning bush. Most of us probably aren't going to get that. Like, we're not going to be hearing God call out to us from a burning bush, but he is going to call out to you, and he already has, and he will your whole life. Okay, the other reading that kind of has to do with this is our gospel reading, and Jesus, the beginning of his ministry, he sees Philip, and he says to Philip, do you remember what he told Philip in our reading? He said, follow me. As he called out, and he said, follow me. So Moses, his calling, God called out to Moses, and he said, I want you to go back to Egypt, and I want you to bring all my people who are slaves out of Egypt. I want you to lead them. That was his calling. Jesus says to Philip, hey, I want you to follow me, and you're going to learn a lot. Go where I go. We're going to talk. You're going to learn, and you're going to be changed. Follow me. That was the call on Philip right there. So what we do and the kinds of kind of people that you each become, that's your calling. And he calls everyone in this room. You know, here's an example. You have a calling right now, and you have a calling. You have a calling right now. You know what it is? Part of your calling is to be a great brother or sister and to be a, a, a wonderful son or daughter and to be a really good friend to the people that you hang out with at school or in sports or whatever you do. Those, that's part of your calling right now. You know what another part of your calling right now is? Part of what God's calling out to you and say, hey, I want you to do this right now is he wants you to use your mind and learn. You spend a lot of time in school. That's part of your calling right now is it's to grow in your mind, to grow in love towards your family and your friends. And when you do that, you're loving God when you love them. So he calls everyone out here too. You know, all these, all these grown-ups here, they all have callings and they're different. They're, they're all different. And he might say to someone here, he says, it would make me so glad, and he's calling out to somebody here, one of the roads, it would make me so glad if you would use those hands that I've made that are so good at fixing things. You know anybody who's really good at fixing things? You ever have something broken? You have somebody you take it to in your family? Like just always seem to be able to fix things, really good with their hands. And he says to somebody here, hey, I, you're a really good fixer. I've made you with really good hands, and I want you to be a fixer in this world because that's going to bless people because there's a lot of broken things, and we need some good fixers in this world. Some people here, that's what they do. They're fixers. Or some are builders. Or some are organizers. So there are all kinds of things that God's made people to do, and they do those in the world to love other people. So he says, you might like to fix airplanes, or you might like to fix houses, or you might like to fix water pipes. Uh, you might like to fix things. So because you, you're just good at that, that's part of how I made you. That's your calling. And this is really cool. When you do the things he's called to you to do, and when we do the things he's called it makes God so glad. He, just, he is so happy when we're doing the things that we are made to do and be in this world. But that's not it. When you're a great brother or sister, daughter, son, friend, student, athlete, artist, whatever you do, when you're doing that with all of your heart and you're loving people around you in it, you're loving God and he's happy, but not just that. You are happy. 
You have a, you'll find a joy when you're walking in the ways, doing the things that God made you to do, and you kind of fight, figure out, start to learn what your purpose is. It gives great joy to God. It gives great joy to you. So that's God, the caller, calling to you, saying, here's the kind of person I want you to be and the kind of things I want you to do. So I'm going to pray for you right now, and then you can go back to your, your seats, all right? Lord Jesus, every one of these boys and girls is special, unique. You're their creator and their father. And you're calling each one of them. And I pray that when they hear your voice that's both gentle and powerful, authoritative and wise, when they hear your voice as a father, they would want to make you glad. And that as they do that, they would know your joy and experience your joy in their life. Would you help each of them throughout their childhood, their teenage years, and adulthood? Would you help each of them to discover throughout their life what it is you're calling them to do and be in this world? In your name we pray. Amen. All right, you can go back to your seats. Thank you all. Y'all were awesome. Great answers. And y'all know where to go if you need some Pig Latin lessons. We all know where to go. Um, just another word about calling today, in, and we're going to talk some more about this, and I'm going to invite a few people up to talk about it. Uh, but we all have a calling, and part of our calling is to love God and love neighbor in this world. That's everybody's calling. And even prior to Jesus saying that's the greatest commandment, the calling for all of us is the calling that we see even in Genesis where he says to Adam and Eve, he says, I place you in this garden, multiply and take care of it. This, this work in the garden, this making something of the world, making something of the world in which he's placed us is our calling. Jesus says, love God and love neighbor. That's part of our calling. And then more specifically, we have unique, specific person-to-person ways of being in this world and things that we're made to do in this world. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more um, and I'm going to invite Brian Wallace and a few guests to come up as well um, who are members here at Christ Church. Let me say a little bit about what they've been doing. Um, Brian works for Fuller Seminary, and he leads what are called co- uh, formation groups. And these formation groups, they happen in, here in Austin, but also around the country. We're doing that. We've done this the past year with, uh, with about a, a dozen to 15 people or so. We're just kind of going through this process. We're learning how that works. And in that process... One of the things that they're being shaped in is how to discover their calling, their purpose, what it means to be a disciple, but uniquely as them. And um, so Brian's been leading that and uh, is going to call up the other Christchurchers who are going to share a little bit about their experience. Everybody welcome Brian Wallace. Thanks, you guys. Good morning. Just a little bit about what we're doing at Fuller Seminary. Um, I'm the executive director of something we call Fuller Formation. It's a center for spiritual and missional formation, and we work with marketplace leaders. We work with pastors. We work with artists. We're going to have our first uh, cohort of artists from all over the country starting this fall. We also work with whole churches and whole missions institutions. Um, So we have a partnership with the ACNA, the Anglican Church of North America. We also have a partnership with the International Justice Mission and a number of individual churches around the country. And Christchurch 
is one of those, and it's a delight because it's my home church and what feeds me, so it's great to give back to it. And in our cohort and all of our cohorts around the country, we're working on this question of formation, uh, the formation of our lives to be, like Chris, Cliff just described, who we're called to be in our being. We all have this part to play, all of us, in this general call to be uh, formed into the image of Christ, to uh, be part of what he's doing in the world, to to give goodness, to give kindness, to uh, care for the widow and the orphan, uh, to work for the those who can't work for themselves and to, th those who are powerless in our culture and community. We also have a unique call, just like Cliff described, a unique way you were formed and made and the way that God delights in the way you were formed and made. And so uh, one of my uh, teachers, Dallas Willard, said, you're always being formed. The question is, what's forming you? Is it going to be our culture and our community? Is it going to be your job itself? Or is it going to be the Spirit of Christ and the Word of God and the people of God coming alongside you to help you be the person God intended you to be? So our formation groups with individuals and churches are about a 12-month experience. They include quarterly retreats, uh, some weekly practices of spiritual practices and uh, thoughtful reflection practices, also in the context of deep relationships where they have a monthly or every six weeks small group facilitated by uh, video. So it's uh, a process of uh, spiritual practice, deep theological and personal reflection, and deep and meaningful relationships, helping discern what God's doing in and through our life and practicing our way into being the people God intended us to be doing that in the context of relationships. So there's 23 of us here at Christ Church who've been in that journey. I'm going to call a few of them up, and they're going to tell some of their story. Rachel Namey and Luke Steidel and Emily Padula, they've been part of this group. Um, and as they tell their story, I want you to listen to a few of the elements of how they've discovered and discerned their unique calling, uh, how they're playing out part of their general call. And I also want you to pay attention to how they're experiencing their specific sp space in this call. Come this way a little bit toward the center this time. Um, it's been a real joy to watch uh, them grow and for me to get a chance to grow with them. Uh, Rachel is a full-time mom right now. She's also a doula. Uh, she's uh, living out her calling as a mom. By the way, she's in the, just a few weeks, she's going to start working for Fuller with me doing 10 hours a week of managing calendar and schedule and telling me where to go, which I'm really delighted for because I really need that. So this is Rachel. I want you to hear her story. Thank you, Brian. Um, so when I started thinking about the answer to the central integration question, I'll call it the CIQ, I think I was trying to make it more complicated than it needed to be. Um, and so after some initial frustrating roadblocks, what I ended up just doing was just reviewing my timeline of all the various roles I've taken on throughout my life just to see if there was some major theme running through it. Um, and so I looked at how I interact with my friends and my family, and I looked through my different workplaces, professionally, in our church community, and as a mom. And in all these roles, I realized I used a variety of skill sets that revealed so many different strengths and weaknesses in each role. But what I ended up paying attention to were those small moments where I felt a spark or something really light up within me, even if it was just one small moment in that whole week. 
Um, and it always ended up being a moment where I was able to connect one-on-one with someone um, in a really genuine way. When I was able to comfort or nurture someone or help someone, that's when I felt myself become really energized and alive. And that understanding helped me to create sort of my vocational statement, which I'll read to you now. When I consider my calling and God's mission to the world, the image that comes to mind is one of a nurturer. Currently, I'm in the middle of raising two small children to love Jesus while learning to tend a home that is a haven of blessing and peace. So it is quite at the forefront of my daily duties. Even though I've been longing to be a mother for some time, in most of my relationships and work environments, my tendency to nurture, comfort, and befriend on an intimate level with others is a consistent theme. Working in juvenile justice systems, in developing nations, and with birthing mothers as a doula, I feel most aligned with God's loving heart when I can come very near to a person in pain or joy, speak a prayer, or share an embrace. So it just so happens that as my life as a mom right now, it fits really well with this vocational statement that I created, but it's still life as a mom, it's still hard. It doesn't mean that I've realized this and it was just so easy right before me, um, I've, I've really had to learn that to live into my vocation, I have to adopt spiritual practices that will keep me focused on this path. And so as someone who is a connector, someone who comforts, who's so relational, if I am not um, just resting in Christ and going to him, the true source of all comfort, I burn out so fast. Um, and so I've learned that prayer has truly become my lifeline. Even my three-year-old can recognize the symptoms when I'm away from him because she says, Mommy, you need to be with Jesus today. (laughs) So I've learned to squeeze it in as much as possible in my life just because I can't function without prayer. Just small moments throughout the day with the children buzzing around me or when someone else is caring for the kids, just getting away somewhere really quiet uh, where I can just be with Christ and not have a big agenda for time with him, but just to be with him is so important. Um, and another important part of really helping my vocation develop has been having a spiritual director. I really need someone else in my life to be in charge of the care piece. That's not me. And so this practice um, has been giving me just a strong vision of my role in God's huge mission in this world, and it helps me to just be present and devoted to this season of life and not wish it away because we also get to pray over and discuss how God might use me in the future when my children are older in other realms of society. And so having these two spiritual practices have just been anchors for me um, to just be grateful for my however simple role is in God's big mission in the world. Um, So that's been a good journey. Appreciate that, Rachel. And she mentioned something called a central integration question. It's a question that we use and wrestle with to help discern. And the question is this, at this point in my Christian journey, how do I envision my participation with God's work in the world? Uh, we believe that all spiritual formation leads to us taking our place in God's work in the world. It's his work, but he has a unique way for us to play a part in that. And so we're asking, hey, at this point in our life, and this point in our Christian journey, what does that look like? How does that get played out? And there's lots of ways we discerned it. You heard a little bit about how Rachel was discerning what that place is. Luke has been doing some other things to discern that place and his calling, and I wanted you to hear his story too. Thanks, Brian. 
So I've been really excited to see the way that God's been revealing how he's created me and how those character traits kind of play into my vocation as a father and as a husband and also as a global sales operations specialist at a large corporation. Um, so I did a little differently than Rachel did. I wrote the CIQ as kind of like a high-level thing and uh, did a lot of the exploration after I wrote it. So I'll go ahead and read that and then kind of delve into uh, how that fleshes out in my life. So it's generally observing, discerning, and responding in three central areas, my family, the church, and my profession. And for my family, it's understanding the spiritual, emotional, and physical needs of my wife and daughter, discerning my role in fulfilling those needs so that they can flourish. The second is observing truths woven into scripture, worship, and my church community, and seeing how those truths can shape me and form me more into the image of Christ. And then the last is learning how to do my job really well and seeing how I can come alongside my co-workers and point them to Christ, being salt and light in the workplace. So that's a high-level thing, and it's, it sounds very lofty and kind of abstract. So uh, what exactly does that mean uh, on a practical day-to-day -day basis? And we did an exercise that is uh, called the Strengths Finder Test, and it's basically a personality test similar to the Myers-Briggs test that shows different strengths uh, of your personality. And two that came out on top, which I affirmed, were analytical, which is logic and data-driven. I tend to question everything and get to the root of things. Uh, check. Uh, intellection is a second one, which is deep internal reflection, thinking through things very thoroughly, mulling them over, uh, kind of allowing uh, ideas to percolate a while internally. And throughout that, I had a lot of aha moments as I kind of reflected on those two areas. One is in my occupation. So as a global sales operations specialist, I, uh, I take business processes and translate them to a software platform. So I really need to understand and get at the heart of what the stakeholders are trying to do and make sure that they can do it properly and that that's scalable. And through the process, I see just the way that God has designed me to really dig into the details and understand things and how those traits have helped me to flourish in the role where I'm at and to, to help my employer flourish as well. Now, on the, on, as a husband and father, you know, analytical and intellection can be strengths. And see this in areas like budget. It's a finely tuned machine, you know, and we have processes set up to get all of our chores done on a weekly basis to streamline things. But being data-driven and logical is also sometimes a difficulty, especially when sin creeps in and when pride creeps in. Um, and I can see this when Ellen needs me to just listen to her, my wife. Um, she, needs to hear, she needs me to hear her all the way through. I can interrupt and assume that I understand what she's getting at, and I think I grasp exactly what's going on, and I jump in and interject and offer my own opinion. And that's not loving her well. So God is also showing me where I need to have uh, scripture and prayer and just time in reflection with him to kind of help smooth out some of those rough edges and see, kind of combat the ways that sin can creep in and distort those character traits. So I am excited to continue to explore these different strengths I found in the Strengths Finder and to kind of flesh out what it means to live into my vocational calling as a husband, a father, and as a global sales operations specialist. I'm really glad that role exists in the world and I could never do it. So... Um, I, n I could never put things abstractly into a spreadsheet, so just don't have that capacity. One of the things you notice about Rachel and how she kind of discerned some of her calling was thinking about her past and the ways God had used her in the 
in the past in some of those points of joy. And then we talked about it as a community. And Luke, in thinking through this tool we use called Strengths Finder and a core clarity uh, coaching uh, opportunity he had to get an hour's worth of coaching from someone who can help him learn about himself and the way God uniquely made him. These are some of the ways that we are able to discern our unique calling in the world, and they're playing it out. Emily has uh, been on a journey of vocation for a long time, working on some of these questions, and I wanted you to hear her story. It's a unique one. Thank you. Hey. So the practices I've learned in our formation group have been the culmination of my journey over the last several years to understand the value of ordinary life in the kingdom of God. Prior to this, I couldn't see how my Monday through Friday life had any relevance to my faith, except in those moments where I was evangelizing or being especially ethical. I could see the value to a life as a missionary or as a mother raising children, but God had closed both of those doors in my life. I felt rejected by God because I couldn't have a significant life in his kingdom and had a career instead. But a part of me wondered, does God care about our jobs? Does ordinary work have any significance at all in his kingdom? Or is most of my life wasted to him? My current vocation is Chief Strategy Officer at the Hospital and Healthcare System in Fredericksburg. We serve about 30,000 people each year and have 700 employees. My role is to ensure that healthcare survives in that region for the next generation. My other priority is nurturing a culture of excellence where patients receive world-class healthcare and doctors and employees are energized in their work. And they're doing a great job. They were ranked as the number one hospital, general hospital in Texas by Medicare. The journey that I have been on has helped me to learn how I uniquely fit in God's family. And in a lot of ways, my current job is a good fit with who I am. I feel very alive when I put together a strategic plan that serves the community, doctors, patients, and employees well. Christ Church has allowed me, for the first time, to celebrate my calling. I've seen how God's work in the world is much bigger than I realized, and I am a part of it as a hospital executive. His work includes redemption of all things to be more like his kingdom, including towns and workplace cultures and clinics and hospitals. The systems within which we live hugely impact how fully humans can flourish. God desires for those systems to be places of health, where each person is valued and cultivated and celebrated, where life-giving actions are honored and destructive actions don't get you ahead, where the weak are not disadvantaged and status does not determine value. My calling is to seek to understand people, systems, and God's vision for the world very deeply. With that understanding, I lead in the design of systems so that they can better serve people and become more aligned with God's heart. I currently lead the vision for the people of Fredericksburg to be a thriving community where healthcare is provided by generous and engaged people who serve others with excellence. When I think of this, I'm no longer embarrassed to have a career and be a Christian woman. At the same time, my job can be very hard. I have a wide range of responsibilities, a lot of accountability, and a full schedule. Being a leader, as many of you know, is a weighty job with a lot of pressure to get it right. Most of the weight that you carry is invisible to those that you serve, and it, they can be very critical. 
it's draining to work hard to serve people and have them feel that you don't understand or don't care. Being responsible for sustaining 700 jobs and designing systems perfectly to serve thousands of patients can feel overwhelming at times. The practices we're learning in the formation group are helping me to live with this weight in healthier ways. The practice of community has taught me to celebrate that I'm not good at everything. There are others who have the gifts and skills and callings that I lack, and I can look to them. The second practice has been Lectio Divina, in which I've interacted with God in his word about the ordinary parts of my life. My devotional life has changed now that I understand God is engaged in every aspect of my day. He's the best strategic planner there is, and he's already at work in my hospital. So I can rely on him and talk with him about what I'm doing at work. I still struggle with times with feeling like I'm not living the plan A Christian life, but I'm learning to feel God's joy over how he designed me and how much he values what he's called me to do in partnership with him. I think you guys would all agree that these are all three plan A stories of God's call on people's lives. And I want you to take a second to observe and reflect on both how they re discerned God's call in our life through different avenues, through some struggle, through prayer, through reflection, and in community. And also notice that all three of them are engaging in spiritual practices that support and sustain their unique calling. Our spiritual practices, our discipleship, are things that help us discern who God is and help us develop our relationship, but they support and sustain, they undergird our capacity to keep moving forward in obedience to Christ in the way he formed us and invites us to take our place in what he's doing in the world. So that's what we're getting to do as a formation group. Maybe you will get an opportunity to participate in one of these. I think we're going to start another one for another 20-so people in January. We'd love to be part of that, and I'm delighted that we as a church care so much about our formation and about our, our vocation and in the way that those get put together so that we can be the God people God, the people God invented and designed us to be. Cliff? Um, yeah, let's thank them, first of all. Thanks for opening up your lives and uh, having the courage to stand in front of everybody and talk about some things that are really to the core of who you are. It's really a window, and you are each kind of icons for us today of the work of God through his people. Um, if you stay there for just a moment, I want to pray for you. And before I do, I want to say to everybody, um, what, what we're talking about today has to do with one of our deep, deep values of Christ Church, of making whole life disciples we talk about that in a number of different ways and a number of things we do toward that end. But when we say whole life discipleship, we mean every arena of our life, not just what we do when we're in small group or at church, every arena of our life. We also mean every part of who we are, our bodies, hearts, minds, souls, all of who we are in every arena of life. That's the kind of discipleship that we want to be about at Christ Church. And, um, and these formation groups have been a great way uh, for us to continue pressing into that and doing that. Thank you, Brian, for leading it and others who've been small group leaders. They've helped out some with, uh, with those groups as well. All right, let me pray for each of you and all of us in our callings. Lord, thank you for uh, each of these kind of examples of ways that you're working in different settings, at home and in the marketplace, and uh, ways that, Lord, 
they each have heard affirmation of what you've made them to be in this world and to do in this world. And I pray, Lord, that as they continue to grow and develop and you want to sharpen or, or in some cases redirect uh, throughout different stages and seasons of their life, I pray that they would continue to hear your voice, be tuned to what you're doing and attentive to your work and tuned to what their community and others see and affirm and then speak into their life. And we thank you, Lord, that we have each other and we're not on our own to, to figure this out. Lord, I pray for everybody in the congregation, whether the kids here, people at every age, from youngest to oldest and in between, that we would each, Lord, be walking daily with a sense of your presence with us, whether it is with spreadsheets or diapers, whether it's paid or unpaid in whatever sector of society, society we serve. We want you to be glad as you look upon our lives, and we want to know your joy in our own lives and hearts. In your name we pray. Amen.